Hello, and welcome back to the ENC Leadership Podcast. We are on the third week of a small series we're doing about faith and leadership. And our goal in this um, small series is to integrate our faith as believers, as followers of Jesus, with our leadership. And this is something I've uh, struggled with myself. I often would look to, as I said in uh, episode one, um, I would often look to other sources of teaching and insight about leadership and thinking that I have to be a Christian one way and be a leader a different way. And and that's not what the Bible says at all. In fact, when we find a way to integrate our faith with our leadership, it's actually a very powerful, a very strong combina- combination where we can be more authentic about ourselves and be more effective in our leadership as well. So last week, we looked at how God uh, gave us power and leadership is about ability, about strength, about making things happen and a big part of that is power. And last week we saw that God made power for creation, for flourishing and to be tempered by love. And so instead of being apologetic for it, instead of being wary about it, instead of acting like this false humility, like, oh, I don't really have power, you know, I only do what I, little I can, we can be honest about it, thank God for it, Use it to serve others and grow it. There's nothing wrong with having power. There's nothing wrong with having strength. There's nothing wrong with having ability. There's nothing wrong with having a little more money, with having a little more intelligence. The question is, what do you use it for? So instead of pretending like you don't have it, just thank God for it and use it to serve others. And today, that's what we want to talk about in this episode. Um, Serving others. What does that look like when we talk about that in Christian leadership? What does serving others look like? And to do that, we are going to look at one of the most commonly cited Bible verses when people talk about leadership, but it's also one of the most misused, one of the most misunderstood Bible verses when people talk about leadership and faith. And it's the part where Jesus talks about, you know, if you want to be great, you, whoever wants to be great must be the servant of all. What does that look like? And I want to look at that verse and and show how we can have misconceptions about this. And those misconceptions might seem small in the beginning, but they actually have really big implications and negative consequences in our leadership, our perception of leadership, whether it's the way we view other leaders or the way we view ourselves. And instead, if we can understand what Jesus Jesus really said and what he really meant in these verses, it can allow us to free up our leadership and see it the way God meant it to be seen. We can find these verses in Matthew chapter 20. Uh, but before we get there, the, the background here is Jesus has his followers, uh, James and John, and then um, among them, and James and John's mother, who is a close friend of theirs and probably uh, helped finance a lot of Jesus' mission, asks Jesus for a favor. And he says, he says, sure, what is it? And, and, and she says, uh, could you grant that one of my sons would sit at your right hand in your kingdom and the other one of my sons would sit at your left hand of your kingdom, asking for position, for titles, for authority, for a leadership role for, for her uh, children, and along with that role, greatness, you know, uh, prestige. Jesus responds to her and says that it's not for him to grant that, but for my father, Matthew 20, verse 23. He says, um, to sit at my right hand and at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my Father. 
slight tangent here, like a slight uh, divergence here. Look at the humility on Jesus's part here. He says, it's not for me to do this. It's, it's my father's job. He's deferring to the father, not because uh, he's lesser than the father, not because he's less valuable, but because of their roles. This has huge implications if we can grasp this. We're not talking about this in this episode. We'll talk about it in a different series when we talk about teams from a Christian perspective. But these huge implications that a team can be composed of different people with different roles and people can limit their role to allow the other people, the other persons on the team to express their role better. And that is not a sign of lesser value that is not a sign of lower value in fact jesus and the father are equal in value as we see in christian theology but jesus chooses to defer huge implications about the possibility of teams because if we don't understand this then we might see any deferring any playing off to one another any limiting myself to let others play better as oppression as inhibition as coercion but here we see in jesus and the father this model of one person deliberately intentionally limiting himself in order to facilitate the relationship better not because they're lesser but because they're better together these has huge applications for marriage for families for teams for societies but that's not our topic for this for this episode we'll talk about that next time so Jesus says, it's not for me to grant it, it's, it's for the Father to grant that. Verse 24, when the ten, the other uh, disciples heard about it, they were indignant at the two brothers, maybe because they were like, I should have done that first. Where's my mom? My mom should have been the one to talk to Jesus. And then we come to the verses we're talking about today. Matthew chapter 20, 25 to 28. The mother of James and John asks for this favor. Jesus says, nope, that's not for me to grant. The ten hear about it and they're mad because they probably had the same idea. They probably had the same desire, the same desire for prestige, for titles, for position, for greatness, the way the world understands it. And this is Jesus' response. Matthew 25, 20, 25 to 28. But Jesus called to them and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's the verse. And if you're like me and you've been to church for a while or you've been around maybe even if you haven't been in church for a while you've heard christians or people of faith use this as a leadership verse and it's understandable why because jesus you know talks about the rulers of this world and he says don't be like them he's describing the allure of leadership the 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 prestigious side of it the the attractive part of it the trappings the symbols the money the title, the followers, the social media following, the size of the office, the privileged parking spot, the, the, the way your followers will look at you. And he calls out those leaders. 
And here's what he says. If you want to be great, you do it by being a servant. In other words, he equates greatness with service. He says service is greatness. All right? What he did not say, and here's where we often misunderstand and misuse this verse. What he did not say is service is a path to greatness. He didn't say that. He said serve. He didn't say, okay, if, if you will serve, then one day you will be great. He didn't say serve and you will be great. Th that's like saying serve and one day you'll have the corner office, the privileged parking spot, the title. He didn't say that. He said, service is great. Serving is great. In my kingdom, in my upside down kingdom, the people who serve, the people who are slaves, who, who prioritize others' interests over their own, others' rights over their own, those are the great ones in my kingdom. Here's the problem. And here's why this distinction is important. When we hear this and we don't understand what Jesus said, that service is greatness, if we hear it as service is a path to greatness, if we hear this as serve and I will be great, what we think are that greatness and leadership are still intertwined. It's like having you know, the, 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 the equation in the minds of the disciples was leadership equals greatness. If I'm a leader, if I'm beside Jesus on those two thrones, on the left and the right, then I will be great. And Jesus erases the word leadership and he replaces it with the word service. But see, what we often do with this uh, equation is we take leadership equals greatness and we add Service. Service equals leadership equals greatness. That's not what Jesus said. He didn't say that. See, if we think this way, the problem is we still see greatness from the world's perspective as the standard of leadership. We still see greatness as the title, the position, the role, the top of the org chart, the nice car, the corner lot, whatever. See, Jesus wasn't defining leadership in this verse. He was defining greatness. And he was saying, greatness isn't what you think it is. In fact, greatness isn't tied up with leadership. Oh, in the world it is, yeah. The high officials, yes. They're going to have uh, uh, biographies written about them, monuments built for them. Their lives will be discussed in, in case studies and business classes and history classes. Of course, not in my kingdom though. The people who are great in my kingdom are those who serve. Maybe the biggest misunderstanding about this verse is thinking that it's a leadership verse. It's not a leadership verse. It's a verse about service. It's not a verse that says, okay, if you want to be a leader in my kingdom, you got to be like this. No, if you want to be in my kingdom, this is for all of my followers, all the followers of Jesus, it's about service. It's not just for leaders. Now, there are big implications for leadership about this. And let me point out a few of them before we get to application. Some of the implications about this shift in mindset. If we understand that service is greatness, not service is the path to greatness. Here's one of the implications. There are many great people in the kingdom of God. There are many great people in the eyes of God who aren't leaders. And maybe who will never be recognized as leaders. 
but they're great in the eyes of God. See, if we think that service is a path to greatness and service is a path to greatness equals leadership, then our mindset is, well, this person is serving, it should just be a matter of time before they are noticed by the world around them, before they are promoted, before they are given a title. Uh, maybe, but maybe not. See, I think we're going to be surprised when we get to heaven about God's recognition of people. There are going to be people that God will recognize that I'm going to be like, or most of us are going to be like, I'm sorry, who? What? What? Anong kinalam? Anong ginawa ng taong yun? Sino ba siya? Diba? Ano yung, what, may blue check ba yung Twitter account niya? Verified user ba siya? Parang hindi ko siya kinala. No, you don't. But that person was a servant. Because in God's eyes, what Jesus just said is the one who serves is great. There's org charts. There's ministries. There's businesses that glorify the people on the top, the director, the CEO, and God is looking at the janitor who is serving. And he's and if this person's doing it out of faith, with a heart to serve, God is saying, you know what? Nobody knows what you're doing and how good what you're doing is. But I love it. I love it. Now look, this is not an excuse to not help people out of uh, terrible uh, working conditions or, or to elevate people out of, out of bad social class. We're going to get to that, okay? That's part, part of the message. But what I'm saying here is we're going to be surprised by who God finds to be great. And it's very often not the way we see it. And that should put a good amount of humility and fear of the Lord for those of us who are leaders. Whatever your title is, you're a small group leader, you lead in your school, in your company, you lead a church. Don't you dare think for a second that you're automatically greater than the people you lead. That's not what that verse said. That's not how God thinks. We're going to be surprised by God's recognition of people. I remember one time we were, um, uh, you know, as every nation, we are a spirit-empowered ministry. And so we had a dinner with a visiting pastor, Pastor Jim Lafoon, and he had a prophetic word for us. It, it, was, it was just a dinner, and there was me and maybe 10, 12 other um, uh, members of our campus ministry team there. And after dinner, he said, look, I'd like to pray for some of you and I believe God has a message for some of you. It wasn't all of us. There was a few. And um, it was in that dinner that I heard my most coveted prophetic word ever. I, I don't usually do that. I usually hear other people's messages and I'm like, wow, that's great. Good for you. I'm happy for you. But this one, when I heard it, I was like, oh gosh, that, I, I, I'm jealous of that. And it was to one of the people on the team. And, and uh, you know, I haven't asked for her permission to say this. And those of us who were at that dinner and people who've heard me say that story with her name, with her permission, would know. But uh, she was probably outranked by at least half, if not 60, 70% of the people at that table. She wasn't, you know, um, at the top of the org chart. And yet when Pastor Jim shared with her, he said, you know, I felt like God wanted me to tell you that he... He's pleased with you because you sit and listen to Him. Because you uh, 
prioritize your time with Him. And so God has taken you into His confidence where He speaks things to you. And you know this. He speaks things to you about His plans for you and for other people. And you're surprised by why you get these thoughts. And God is telling you, it's because you have my confidence. And I remember looking at that team member of ours, looking at her and thinking, wow, wow. Here I am. <laughs> I'm her boss. I'm her boss. She's two levels you know, under me in, in the org chart. And God didn't say that to any of us. And I'm, I'm not saying I'm, I'm sad about you know what God's plan for me is. All I'm saying is this person has a level of intimacy and recognition with God. In God's eyes, she is great. And I know because she serves. She's, she helps people. She, she doesn't care what position she's in. Whatever, wherever you put her, she's going to start serving. And I think we're going to get to heaven and we're going to be surprised by how God's recognition plan does not follow our org charts. Are you after greatness in the world's eyes? Or are you after greatness in God's eyes? You know what that means, what that looks like? Chase service. Don't chase leadership. I appreciate uh, Nikki Sandy, one of our campus missionaries in Green Hills, for pointing that out. She said, look, if we just chase serving, whatever that looks like, that's greatness in God's eyes. See, how we look at leaders reveals what we really believe, right? If we worship them, there's something wrong with that. There's a difference between respecting them and appreciating the gift of God and the call of God on them. But you know when there's like a worshipful, there's a reverence, when you want to be more like that person rather than who God made you to be? When you find yourself prioritizing what they think and say more than what God has to say about something? If you find yourself being unable to have a different thought from them, <laughs> respecting people is good. But we got to be careful that we don't worship the position of leadership. And we've got to be scared and wary <laughs> of leaders who allow you to worship them. See, here's the thought. People who worship their leaders, that just tells you when they become leaders, they would expect the same thing. Eat. I don't want that. I don't, yeah, 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 yeah. Scary. I don't want that. When I was talking about this with my wife, my wife said, remember that verse that said uh, the recognition that people will have in this world, their reward is here. Is that what you want? The reward is here. Is that what you want? That, that your social media following is like, oh, well, it scratches the itch, deals with your insecurity, or does Jesus satisfy you and your reward is with him? First implication, there are many great people who aren't leaders in the kingdom of God. And that's fine. Number second implication is not every servant should be made a leader. See, if we think that leadership, uh, that service, serve and you will be great and we think greatness equals leadership, then we will want to reward good service with a leadership promotion. But leadership promotion is not a reward. In some senses, yes, but it's not a reward for service. See, people with this mindset are guilty of thinking that we need to promote people for reasons like service, faithfulness, longevity. Because, well, you've been so faithful, I need to promote you now. 
I'm not saying that's not a good thing for a leader to have. It is a good thing. It's a very good thing, but it's not the only thing. What we need is not just someone who serves, who's faithful, who's been serving for a long time. We also need someone who's competent. Someone who does the work well, who can get the job done. Faithfulness and service are good marks, but they don't guarantee a good leader. And what happens is when we say service is a path to greatness, now we've encouraged everybody to serve. And now if you're thinking this way, and I've seen this happen so many times, especially among Christian leaders, I feel like I have to promote everybody or I have to promote people in order. In order of longevity, in order of service, when there's clearly a more competent choice than that person. See, promoting for any other reason besides competence guarantees guarantees frustration, guarantees institutionalized ineptitude, <laughs> guarantees that this person who's been a faithful servant will now be seen in a bad way because you put them in something they're not good at. Think about, do you do that to anything else? Would we do that to anything else? Oh, this person has been a faithful sound man. Let him be the, the lead singer of the band. What should the first question be? Can he sing? Right? Oh, this person has been so faithful in washing the brushes of the painter. He should be the next uh, maestro, the next uh, grandmaster painter. Can he paint? But we do that with leadership. Oh, this person has been so faithful night in and night out. He comes in and sets up the chairs. He should be the next head, the next lead pastor. What, can he lead? I like the fact that he can set up the chairs. I, I wouldn't want a pastor who's not willing to set up the chairs, but that's not the only prerequisite. And see if you're wrestling with this now. Is it possible that you are because of that misunderstanding of that verse? That you think greatness equals leadership. That in your eyes, I'm taking away their greatness by not promoting them to a higher rank. No, you're taking away their greatness by giving them a, some, a job they're bad at. <laughs> but if we have the, the lens, like Jesus just showed, that no, service is greatness, then we see people, and I love this when I see this in my teams. I love this when I see someone in his lane, in his role, not hungry for promotion. And some of them, you know, they'll get promoted because that's clearly where God is leading them. And there's other, others of them who don't get promoted and who don't want to get promoted and continue to serve and serve and expand that platform and maybe they don't get, get a higher uh, level in the org chart. But honestly, their leadership expands that way anyway. It's because leadership is not a reward. It's because I know that God has greatness in store for them and the more I allow them to serve, the more that we can see that greatness come out. And God will be the one to recognize that. There's other ways to reward the faithful, the loyal, the high service oriented people in your team. Don't promote them unless they're good leaders. There's other ways to reward them. Appreciate them. Thank them. Get them, you know, more training in their skill sets. Uh, let them travel, you know, when the pandemic's over. Uh, have more time with you. Talk to them. Appreciate them in front of the other people in the team. There's tons of ways to reward it. Promotion is not always a good reward. Third implication. If you are a leader, you have the title, you have the position, you have the role, you have the function. Remember, 
that in God's eyes, none of that matters until it serves other people. That in God's eyes, He couldn't care less what your office is, what your parking spot is, what your new pay, none of that matters until it serves other people. Greatness is service. And if you want to be a Christian leader that unlocks, that integrates your faith with your leadership, you come to serve. You come to serve without appreciation or recognition. There's a verse in the Bible where Jesus says, what does a servant do, right? A servant works outside, he comes home, and the master of the house doesn't say, oh, you've been so tired, take a break. No, the master of the house sees the servant and says, oh, yeah, now that you're here, could you prepare my dinner? And we'll give that verse in the show notes. And uh, the servant says, right, this is my job. And this is Jesus saying that's, that's what he came to do. And that's what he moves in us to do when we are his servants. If you came to leadership looking to be appreciated, if you're serving and, and, and maybe now in this pandemic you're doing so much and people aren't appreciating it because they're stuck trying to stay alive themselves, that's fine. That's good. You're doing the right thing. Don't chase leadership. Look for opportunities to serve. I like the way Pastor Paolo Punzalan said it, uh, our senior pastor in Victory Fort. He said, I'm called to serve. I'm called to serve. And right now, my calling to serve is by leading, by being the senior pastor. One day, I'll be called to do something else. And I'm still going to do it because my calling is to serve. And I've seen that about him in every single role. And I know that one day the time will come that he's going to hand over to, to somebody else and he, he'll be a, a, a quote-unquote bench warmer, like not something, but he'll be serving that way. And that's great. What are you called to do right now? Do you need a title, a role, an office, <laughs> a speaking slot? To serve? No, you don't. You can serve wherever you are. The great thing about this is Jesus, our God, our leader, demonstrated this and changes our hearts to be able to do the same. He served. Let me give three quick application points um, for how we can think this way. We're called to serve as leaders, as Christian leaders, we're called to serve. Here's three ways we can do that. When we look at Jesus' example and be inspired by that and be moved by that, number one, shrink the power gap. Shrink the power gap. What is the power gap? The gap between you and the people who follow you. And, you know, the, the higher you go in leadership, there's these trappings of power, symbols of power, you know? There's... the, the we, you know, when I became a pastor, oh, pastor, pastor, or if you're from certain parts of the Philippines, pass, pass. That's a symbol of power. You now have a title. It felt so odd to me for people who I grew up with in church, people who'd seen me grow up, people who are way more mature than me. Now we're pastor, pastor, parang, ah, excuse me, po, nakailang. But you no, know, there is that. And certain cultures have, have a higher. Uh, power distance, you know, power gaps. Of the Philippines is one of them. We have big power gaps. Our politicians are way up there. Our business leaders are way up there. Rich people are way up there. In a highly stratified society like ours, there are huge power gaps. But no power gap is bigger than Jesus to us. That's God to man, okay? That's bigger than ours to an insect, okay? Yeah, but here's what Jesus did. Philippians 2, 5-7. 
have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. He emptied himself. Does this mean he didn't have power? No, he had the power, but he emptied himself of that power. And that created a more powerful and a more lasting and a more high-impact leadership move. How can you empty yourself of your power today? Not to say you renounce it so that you don't use it for good, but to empty yourself, to, to shrink the gap so that you can have a deeper, more powerful impact with your team. Sometimes it's body language. It's blocking. I notice that when I'm not, you know, in the most loving mood, when I'm not being most spiritual, when I'm talking to my son, Philip, I want the power gap to be high. My facial expression is stern. I'm standing at my full height. I'm looking down on him and he looks up at me. And sad to say, there's a lot of fear. And when that happens, I know I'm not getting the best out of him. He's afraid. He, 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 his words are, 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 are halting, you know. He's, he's not fully engaged. But thankfully, when the Holy Spirit reminds me, when God moves in me, when, I, when I've been you know, listening and meditating on Scripture, I'll change my body language with him. I'll sit down with him. Just earlier this evening, I sat down with him. I sat down on the floor and he sat down with me. And we just talked. What was I doing? Shrinking the power gap. Allowing a more full response from him. I'm still his dad. I still have the authority. I still have the final say with certain things. But he appreciated that. And after our talk, he, he got up to, to, to go to bed. I said, look, let me just pray for you, Lord. I'm just so thankful for this boy. I'm so thankful for my son. And as I did that, he voluntarily just hugged me. And I said, what are you doing? And he, he caught himself like, what am I doing? <laughs> See, that's what happens when you shrink the power gap. You create a greater response from your team. The way you speak, you know, the Philippines is, is, a, is, a, is a society that's so stratified. Wealth is so obvious by how you dress. How are you speaking to people? And look, if it's not authentic, if it's not, if it's just manipulation, it will show up eventually. Some of it is the body language, your desk. Don't talk to people from behind your desk. Come around. Another thing I remember is Pastor Paolo doing this a lot. Is uh, don't call people to go to your office. Go to their office. And I appreciated that about him. He's, he leads one of our most significant con congregations in terms of size and in terms of influence. And yet he he always roams around the building. He'll pop up in my office. It doesn't matter where that person is in the orchard. If he wants to talk to them, he goes to them. Take the initiative. Shrink the power gap. Don't play mind games when you have power over people. Give me an, I'll give you an example of a mind game. Hey, let's have a meeting on Tuesday. I have to talk to you about something very important. Let's wait till Tuesday. And now you leave the person hanging over the weekend. Thinking. Even in the resting time, oh gosh, what was, what's that? What's this game? And then you, you do that. Why? Why? Sometimes it's unavoidable. Sometimes I, I have to do that. Hey, we have to talk about this. I can't talk about it now. We're going to have to talk about it next week. Don't worry about it. But 
But when you do that out of spite, out of a show of power, why is that necessary? Are you that weak? Is your power that fragile? That it needs to be demonstrated that way? No. Jesus had so much power that he could empty. He said, I lay down my life. I'll take it up again. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm not going to lose. Careful with your titles. Are your titles well thought out? Now, there is a purpose for titles. I don't believe in that mindset that says, you know, we're all just friends here. That's just confusing, you know, with the org chart. It's not very honest, to be, to, to be honest. But there's a purpose for it. And yet, I... I love when, when, when I'm in my teams and I love how uh, our team in Every Nation does this where they, they talk about the titles often because like, like, do we need this? Do we need to call this person that? Is this pushing people away or showing people where they can go? You know, another way that we can shrink the power gap is to admit vulnerability. You know what happens when you admit vulnerability? Jesus gets exalted. He does. Because you're not the perfect one. He is. And it's not about weakness. It's strength. Strength that's restrained. That's called gentleness. See, when you can be gentle, that's when you're really strong, right? When you are flailing and angry, that's because you're out of control. But watch, you know, a, a, an adult with a baby who knows how to carry that baby. They're so gentle. Are they gentle because they're weak? No, they're gentle because they're absolutely in control. And that's why they don't need to be reactive. They don't need to be impatient. Are you so secure about your leadership that you can be gentle with your team? And yes, there will be times that you will need to be harsh. You'll need to, to, to correct. You'll need to, to, to fire someone, to kill a project. But it doesn't need to be done out of an ostentatious show of power. It can be done gently. In fact, that's a more powerful expression of your authority because I don't need to raise my voice. This is going to be the final decision. Applications shrink the power gap. Number two, raise people up. Not only do you shrink the power gap, but you want to bring people up. One way to shrink the power gap is to, like I said about a child, go down to his level, sit on the floor with him, kneel. You know. But the other way is to, to lift him up, right? Psalm 18.35 Jesus, well, describing God, it says, You have given me the shield of your salvation. Your right hand supported me, and your gentleness made me great. I love that. God reigns in his strength. That's called gentleness to lift us up. How have you made your people great? How have you lifted people up in your leadership? Here's an example. When you talk to people, you have an interaction with them. Do you want people coming away thinking, wow, my boss is so wise. That leader is so brilliant. That presentation was uh, so enjoyable. I could listen to him all over again. Is that what we want? That's option A. Or option B. Or do we want people to think, wow, I've become more wise. I learned more insight. I'm excited to apply what I've learned. Very similar but completely different outcomes. One makes you, the leader, greater. The other one makes them greater. And like we learned last week, making them greater doesn't diminish your greatness at all. See, does your leadership keep people at their current level or does it lift them up? 
And that's why one of our expressions in every nation is leadership is actually working yourself out of a job. Because people can do that job now. If you're still doing the same roles over and over again, if the, the, the best way to get it done is still you doing it yourself, you're not raising them up. How are you going to do that? Raise people up. That's servant leadership. Make them greater. Third application I want to give for this point. Number one, shrink the power gap. Number two, raise people up. Number three, focus on delivery. Focus on delivery. Focus on what you deliver to other people. Service is about impact on other people. If you're a leader, people don't measure your performance by your intent or by your effort. They don't care what you wanted to do. They don't even care how much you've been working hard. What they really measure is the impact your leadership has on their life. I mean, isn't that the, 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 the outcry of many Filipino people about uh, uh, the handling of the pandemic by our government? And I don't believe that every one of them is wrong or corrupt. We need to pray for our government to make wise decisions. But the frustration people are hearing or are expressing is coming from the fact that you're hearing leaders say, Intindihin nyo kami, intindihin nyo kami, ginawa na namin lahat. Stop telling me what you did. Look at the impact. Look at how many people are sick, how many people are dying, and how many people are still unable to go about their normal life. That's what you need to keep your eyes on as a leader. See, when you make excuses or apologies as a leader, excuses like, I'm sorry, I forgot, I came from another meeting, that's why I'm late, I did my best, we did this naman, we did that naman. When the leader does that, what you're doing as the leader is you're asking for understanding. Intindihin mo ko. And the one asking for understanding is the one asking to be served. And that's why it's so backwards. That's why people don't respond well to that. Because you, the leader, who should be serving, are asking them to serve you. And that has to happen sometimes. I've had to do that with my team. Guys, I'm so sorry. I'm late. Please forgive me. Ayusin natin to. I've had to do that sometimes. But just know na yun yung ginagawa mo. Ikaw yung nagpapatulong sa kanila. Ikaw yung nagpapasilbi sa kanila. And here's the thing. And you better be ready to deliver after they give you that understanding. Because if all you do is always ask for understanding and never deliver, it will really not go over well. When it's a pattern, a track record of failure. It's not because people aren't being understanding, but it's because the leader hasn't been serving. And then now, hindi ka nga nag-serve, ikaw pa yung humihingi. Just the other day, we were at a, a restaurant here. For those of you who were born during the pandemic, a restaurant is like a, someone else's house. And you go to their house and you give them money and they give you food. Okay, But sometimes the person giving you food can take long. And so the server was terrible. Sobrang terrible. As in, ang bagal niya. Uh, he gave us food but no utensils. He, he, he said he'd give us water three times. And each time, I was being patient and I, and I never snapped at him. I even tipped him. But I said, our water. And he kept saying, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. By the fourth time, I don't care. I don't care how sorry you are. Because your sorry is not changing the pattern. It's not changing the behavior. If you really want to serve, focus on delivery. How did your leadership change that person's life? Don't tell them what you intended to pay them, what you wanted to do. Show them what, what you really did and how it had an impact on them. 
In fact, you don't even need to show them. They'll feel it. They'll know it. Leaders, Christian leaders, we want to focus on being servant leaders, focus on delivery. See, God's not like that. God's not about intent and excuses. No, what does he say? Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Wow. What a promise. He could just say, come to me or go to hell. You want to go to hell? I'll go to hell. No, he emphasizes the benefit to us. Even the fact that he reasons with us, that he wins us over. My gosh, what a servant leader. He doesn't need to do this. But that's just how amazing and secure he is that he can do that. When we follow that example, that is great leadership. Leaders, Christian leaders are called to serve. Not as a path to greatness, because that is greatness. And whether you're promoted or not, the point is serve. So that's it. This is our Faith and Leadership Podcast, our third episode. You might want to go back to the, the, the first two, the four common mistakes and playing God. Last week, we talked about how God made us in His image and how to use power. This week, we're talking specifically about using that power for service. And next week, we're going to look at growing, cultivating, and using the spiritual gift of leadership. What does that look like? And really, the goal and the ideal outcome of all of this is an integrated leadership and faith where our walk with God is supercharging our leadership. If you want to read the show notes, you can find them on encleaders.ph. And if you want to contact me, uh, the simplest or most direct way would be on Instagram, at uh, Campus Joe. And uh, I don't share that platform anywhere else. So if you send me a message there, I know you're coming from the podcast. God bless you. And let's go chase opportunities to serve the way our God served us. See you. See you.